Hoop 7 proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another week of Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. I'm your co-host Chris Pike. Let's get straight into the show because there's plenty happening in the world of Australian basketball, plenty happening in the NBL. So let's get straight to my co-host, the Perth Wildcats legend, the scoring machine, the six-time club MVP, the four-time championship winner, Sean Redditch. Thanks for joining us once again. Thanks, Pikey. We uh, got this regular thing going and uh, looking forward to uh, getting to the big news of the week. Yeah, I think we're building some nice momentum. Last week's show seemed to be pretty popular. We had we had some, some good guests again. Cody Ellis was always great. it's always great to hear from him. Um, Sean Bruce, one of the one of the surprise packets of the season, and and your fourth quarter segment was popular as well, Sean, where you where you went through the the four big surprises of the season so far, and you've got another one for us this week, which we'll we'll get to later. But also, you've you've got a chat with somebody that I think will be very popular. Somebody that ended up being one of one of your great rivals probably through your career, not from a personal. St- point of view but certainly when he was in Townsville some of those battles you had with 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 him were fantastic and then that rivalry transferred to the commentary box in recent years as well so I'm really looking forward to you catching up with with Corey Williams I think I'm looking forward to it just as much and uh yeah we've had uh we've had some great chats and and battles over the years whether it be on the court in the commentary booth and uh unfortunately we haven't got to our chance to do that this year with the structure of of the commentating and uh doing just the sideline stuff now so I'm looking forward to be able to uh catch up with Hamasad and and find out his thoughts and see if he's got any more love for the Red Army. (laughs) Without doubt I still think my favorite my favorite night at an NBL game was that game where Homicide and John really came. It's not, obviously not a highlight for you, but for me to be courtside for that game when they came in the, the quarterfinals, no one gave the Crocs a chance on that night. They came in and, and just shot the lights out. They blew you guys away. Ended ended the Wildcats season, unfortunately f- for you. So I understand why it's not a great memory for you. But one, of, it's probably my great highlight so far from watching the NBL. It was almost ten years ago now, and I'm sure that's something that that Corey will bring up with you later. Yeah, I'm sure he, he reminds, reminds me of that game, uh, quite a bit. And, you know, from a fan's point of view, I can understand why that was such a, a huge game. And, uh, you know, Challenge Stadium, I miss that environment where the, the, mm. the fans are so close to the court. It was pretty intimidating. And I always said that to be able to beat the Wildcats in the playoffs, you had to have a performance like Homicide. And John really had that night. Ten threes from John really. That's what it kind of takes to beat a, a Wildcat team in the playoffs. And credit to them. It was, uh, you know, that, that was kind of the changing of the guard at the Wildcats. And they, they went a different direction after that and pretty successful since then. So mm-hmm. um, in some ways, maybe, maybe the Red Army can thank the Townsville Crocs <laughs> for, <laughs> for knocking us out that year. If you look at it from a long-term perspective. Now another chat we'll have we'll have on this week's show is a, a longtime teammate of yours. You shared in three championships with him. He, his career probably finished earlier than it should have through some concussion problems, and right throughout his career he had some some injury troubles. But when he was at his best, he was probably the best power forward in the competition. He was he was just a beast and could could do it all. And he's made a move into coaching now as well, and he's doing some some good things there. But but Matty Knight is somebody that I'm sure you enjoyed spending a lot of your career with. 
Oh, look, we, uh, we've had a lot of success together. And, uh, I think, you know, outside of some injuries from Matty Knott, you're right. When he was healthy and he was playing at the top of his game, there was any, no one else you wanted in the league on your team at that power forward, even center spot. Um, the way he could guard the on ball and just some of the little things that probably he didn't get credit for, you know, being able to step over, take a charge as a big guy, moving his feet. Doesn't look like he's got quick feet, but he actually had pretty nimble feet, um, for a big guy. And then down on the block, he just was tough and strong and um, you know one of those guys you just love being on your team and as a teammate and just so reliable consistent that mid-range jumper was money so yeah, you know had a, had an incredible career and, and unfortunately did probably end up a little bit shorter than probably he had hoped and, and thought but you know I think he can be proud of what he was able to accomplish throughout his career starting from Tasmania over to the U.S. in college and then coming back and, and having a distinguished NBL career. Absolutely. Um, all that's still to come, so let's keep moving, Sean, because we've got plenty to talk about. We're here thanks to Hoop7, of course, hoop7.com.au, and the news just keeps coming. So before we get to some of the results and, and news that came out of round seven of the competition, let's get to what's happened in the last 24 hours where a big change for the for the Australian boomers heading towards the Olympics where it looks like Andre Lamanis has either stepped down or been moved on, depending on, I guess, who's telling the story. And now Brett Brown's going to be back in the chair for, for the Olympics. Did it catch you by surprise when when you first heard about it? Actually, that that news was uh, very surprising to me. I I really thought that Lamontis had done a good job with the with the national team program, and I was quite proud of their performances. I know people want that medal and. Every single boomer in, in Australia is looking for that medal, but the way they played was, was outstanding. And I think, um, you know, be able to, you know, Lamontis coaches a FIBA game. And I think, you know, you look at some of the things that he was able to do with this boomers team and the fact that they were together for such a long time, I thought really held them in good stead versus other countries. Um, so it'll be an interesting see how this all plays out. The Brett Brown, a point is, is true, which is. It sounds like it is. Wojciechowski is usually right on the money with those things over in the United States. So it's a big call from Basketball Australia to move on. My guess is Lamontis wanted to stay on. He hasn't come out and said that, but uh, Basketball Australia is going in a different direction. So it's a it's an interesting call. I'm, me personally, probably not a big fan of it. I would have liked to see Lamontis give it one more shot. They were a Patty Mills free throw away from getting their first medal at an international competition. And I think all of Australia was proud of proud of their efforts and I just like the way they played together and I think you you bring in a new system can they replicate that at the at the Olympic level I'm not sure in such a short period of time um, to learn a whole new system and be able to play that way which I think Australia had the advantage over other countries in that regard you have a look at a lot of the way that it's been reported since the news came out, and it looks like, for whatever reason, a lot of the, the people talking about it seem to be very quick to criticise Andre and to say that it's a lot down to he just didn't build good enough relationships with the NBA players and, and that he wasn't up to coaching. But I think that's a, that's terribly disrespectful to, to Andre because if you look at it, at the Olympics in, in Rio, they were two terrible refereeing calls that went against them against Spain away from winning a, winning a medal and going to the, the gold medal game. And you go back to the World Cup of a couple of months ago, and as a Patty Mills free throw, which you could, you know the coach can do nothing about, and again some some terrible foul calls, especially the one against Andrew Bogut, which he he was so so quick to to fire up about as well. The things that stopped them winning medals were nothing to do with the coach. I agree, I agree, hundred percent there, and you know something to to think about 
and and I was thinking about when this news hit. Greg Popovich is considered one of the best coaches in the entire world, has a great mm-hmm. relationship with a lot of NBA players. He was the head coach of the USA team. Yeah. He's got a great, great relationship. How did they go last <laughs> in the world champs? They finished well below oh, seventh. Yeah. the Boomers, and they had all NBA players. So yeah. I don't think that's necessarily can be what you think about you know, in, in your decision-making on that. I was extremely proud. I thought they made tremendous strides over that eight years. And, uh, and I thought that they were, they were due for, for a medal. Yes, there were some, some issues old and left, but he, maybe he didn't really want to be there in the first place. And, and, you know, they brought in Mitch Creek back into the mm-hmm. squad who actually thought he played fantastic during the world champs and was a, a great okay. addition to that team. And you don't need 12 superstars. You don't need 12 NBA egos to be able to get that medal you know I, the, those guys that were on the team bought in and uh, and I thought that's why they were they were having so so, so much success and uh, and I thought they were really building towards this Olympics so you, you you go back to to Brett Brown and obviously he's got those NBA connections you know Ben Simmons Bolden those guys going to be able to fit into his system but what about the other 10 guys that potentially uh, and and the first go around with Brett Brown wasn't a huge success either. So it's, it's, no, it's to me, it's an interesting move if you're going to go go that route. The other problem is, depending on how far the 76ers go, they could go right to, to sort of mid, mid to late June if they end up making the NBA finals. And the Olympics starts, I think, July 24th. So he's just not going to have a lot of time to implement the philosophies that he wants to have and to build that chemistry with the team anyway, which is another reason why I think Andre deserved to, to, to see things through to the Olympics because he's, I think, no matter what they do, he's going to be the man that's had the biggest say in how they succeed, even though he's still not going to be coaching them. Well, and I, I just think that if you look at it all the way from the junior level, Andre Lamanis, they've kind of Adam Caporn, who's at the center of excellence. They're all mm-hmm. running the same system. And so they know. So those guys coming up for the junior program, they know what Australia basketball is about. They can fit in pretty quickly. What's going to happen if you've got an NBA coach who wants to play NBA sets? How does that work with the center mm-hmm. of excellence and Adam Caporn and, and that junior's coming all the way through up? It's a, it's a huge call by Basketball Australia to go in this direction. And, uh, I guess we'll see, see how it, how it plays out. I mean, my dealings with Andre Lamontis for, you know, I never actually played for him under the national team. I know there was a few times where I was going and playing overseas in Puerto Rico and wasn't able to, uh, to participate. And he, the dealings he had with me and calling me and finding out my availability and that type of stuff, I, nothing but tremendous amount of respect for, for the way he handled that national team. And I know that's a tough, tough gig when you've got so many players and moving parts. And, and I, I was impressed with the job he's, he's done. Um, and I think uh, I would have liked to have seen him give, give uh, Rio the next Olympics uh, one yeah, more shot okay. for him. I just think he deserved that chance. I, I think he, he put in the work to deserve it. And I, I'm just disappointed for him more than anything. Whoever has ended up making the decision, maybe he's decided to step down because he saw the writing on the wall already. But however it's happened, I'm just disappointed for him because I think he, he deserved the chance. But we'll have to keep moving because there's another another controversy that's happening across across the league. And it's it's happening across in, in New Zealand with the breakers. We talked about them last week and, and we probably have similar thoughts now where 
the culture that we talked about they had built so hard to build for so long it's now just completely evaporated and it's and it's got worse since we we recorded last week's show we talked about the potential for for the Glenn Rice Jr. signing to blow up and 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 hasn't it because he he ended up getting getting arrested pretty much this time last week he still ended up coming to Perth but didn't play in the game obviously but the breakers wanted him to play and up until you know not not much more than an hour before the game they were still standing firm wanting wanting him to play in the end basketball australia through the nbl took a took a firm hand and said that he's not not allowed to play and you'd think we won't see him again because i think scotty hobson should be back for the breakers this week anyway but then on the on the plane trip home with everything that's going on i don't know if it's the time to have a couple of beers and to have have mix it with some sleeping tablets which tom verdana Devanovich did and ended up, you know, creating a bit of a stir and having police waiting for him there. What's happening? At, what's happening at the Breakers right now is probably unacceptable in in the way the the league's trying to to build its reputation right now. Well, I think it's interesting that the league has to step in in that regard. I mean, you've got to give a guy a second lifeline, and within two weeks, he's he's getting arrested out on a Thursday night in the middle of a week and you still want to play him, I think that, that that sets the tone for the culture of the club and, and where uh, or where they're at. But they're, that That's acceptable behavior. Um, and then the NBL, which usually it's the other way around. Uh, a lot of times the club will you know put their own disciplinary, which is far more severe than, than what, say, the, the league would do at times, especially in, in, in that. Um, and I know every case is different, and maybe there's there's more to the story than, than we know. But from the outside, Side looking in, it, it's not a great look for the for the breakers, and uh, you know, be sitting two and seven. They're uh, you know they got a long hill to climb, but to me, culturally, is is the biggest one, and um, you know, it's uh, a lot of the guys that that kind of went through the uh, the peak times that the breakers have gone, and we spoke about it last week. It's they're going to have to have some strong leadership there to get it back to it to where it was. Do you think they can? <laughs> With the people that are there running the club right now and the fact that they've got a coaching staff that have never been involved in the NBL before, do you think they've got the people there that can turn things around culturally? Or in some ways, does winning fix a lot of things? If they start winning games, it'll fix a lot of, a lot of the problems. Yeah, winning always uh, covers up a, a lot of transgressions that you might have that are shortfalls that might be going on within a club, but then losing magnifies it. So it's, uh, you know, I'd be very surprised if they could turn it around this season and get back into contention. You know, it doesn't help that they've had those injuries as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they've had some, they've got some talented players, but they, you know, Delaney and Rob Lowe and Hopson going down, those guys are, are important pieces to the puzzle. Uh, and every team's going to have injuries throughout the year. They seem to have more than, more than others, but then you also got new coach, new, new ownership, new structure within it. So they're, they're fighting an uphill battle. And then you got an 18 year old point guard who is going to have his ups and downs as well. So it's a, it's a tough hill to climb. You can't just put the ball in Corey Webster's hands every time down the court and expect him to, to perform miracles on a, on a nightly basis. So they're going to have to have other guys step up and, and, but I think, I think first they're going to have to get their culture right and get the guys that they want long term in there and figure out how that that's going to play out before the the, the wins come and 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 I think at this point you start taking a long term view. All right, we're going to get the guys that are going to be here that we feel comfortable are going to fit um, the long term vision of, of mm-hmm. the club and, and start working towards that because two and seven is a, a tough hill to climb. 
Yeah, it is. Um, let's keep moving, Sean. Let's head into a look back at round seven across the NBL, thanks to Hoops Heaven. Um, started on Friday night in Adelaide. Perth Wildcats, a good win, 99 to 95 over the Adelaide 36ers. And then we moved into a doubleheader on Saturday. Taiwan, Melbourne United beat Southeast Melbourne Phoenix 96-95. So Melbourne have now won five in a row and really building some some momentum. And then the Cairns Taipans, they, they changed things up a little bit. They went big and, and they were two good for the Brisbane Bullets, winning 94-85. to Then on Sunday, biggest crowd in NBL history, saw the Sydney Kings beat the Illawarra Hawks 92-87. to The Perth Wildcats, too good for the New Zealand Breakers, 88-77. to And then Monday night, the Adelaide 36ers responded responded really well. They ended their four-game winning streak and, and probably played their best game of the season, beating the South East Melbourne Phoenix 105-91. to Just to, to start with, Sean, we'll get your thoughts on... We'll start with, with the Sydney Kings. Record crowd, 17 1,514 people there to watch LaMelo Ball take on Andrew Bogut and, and the Sydney Kings. It's unbelievable that the NBL can draw a crowd like that. It is. It's, it is remarkable. And to go back a few years, they, they tore down the entertainment center, the Sydney Kings, and even for a few years didn't even have the Sydney Kings um, in the league. So it's a... Uh, it's a fantastic result, and I just I just go back to the West Sydney Razorback days where they would draw fifteen hundred fans to that same exact Olympic Park, and now they're getting seventeen thousand. The biggest the NBL that is Larry Kesselman vision, and it's coming to play. And, and credit to a lot of people, a lot of hard work um, that's gone, and that's just not on you know that's just not because of Lamelo Ball. That's a lot of work leading up to that. And then uh, I think LaMelo Ball just topped it off. So credit to the NBL, the Sydney Kings, um, everyone involved for, for that result. It's, it's great to see basketball on rise um, in this country. What did you make of the weekend for the Wildcats? Really good, really tough win on on Friday night in Adelaide. I think Damien Martin's defense down the stretch probably was as big a factor as anything in that. And then they got the job done at home to the Breakers. Bryce Cotton was terrific. I thought I thought Jesse Wagstaff and Nick Kay as a, as a combination, even though Nick Kay didn't have a great game on Sunday, I thought that combination worked worked really well together. But Terrico White suffered a bit of a knee injury. We'll wait and see if that keeps him out of playing this week or not. What did you make of the Wildcats weekend? Oh, I think I think it was it was really important for them to keep in that top two. Melbourne United are are on a roll, and so they've got to get that keep that kind of comfortable second spot in their grasp. And it, it was important uh, coming off four straight road games um, to get the one in Adelaide, and then come come back home and, and get the one at home. I just uh, I, I was impressed. You know, I thought Jesse Wagstaff was outstanding, especially when Nick Kay was was having a quiet game. Bryce Cotton just you know it's it's interesting that he has thirty four points and you just kind of walk away like Bryce Cotton just doing what Bryce Cotton does 34 points <laughs> yeah. in a in an NBL game is incredible but that's the standard yeah. he's set for himself my only concern now is Tariqo White how bad is that knee injury he looked in a lot of pain he walked back to the change rooms I was right there he uh, he seemed to be walking okay but when he come back came back out he, he was he was limping quite a bit so the way the the footage and, and that tend to suggest maybe a, a strain in, in one of the ligaments or something so we'll see how long he's out for I'd, I'd be surprised if he plays this weekend so hopefully it's not too long for for the uh wildcats uh fans there to uh, see him because they're they're starting to really find their groove i think 
want to get your very quick thoughts on the Taipans and the 36ers. They both got really important victories and they both did it by changing up their starting lineup, especially the Taipans beat the Bullets by having having Nate, Nate Jowai back into the starting lineup, played alongside Cam Oliver and I thought that combination was terrific. They, they're, they're both very different bigs but both very tough to stop given their different strengths and then that helped Majuk Deng come off the bench and have an impact as well so I think that worked really well for the Taipans and then the 36ers, they're on a four-game losing streak and Joey Wright really shook things up on, on Monday night against the Phoenix. He put Obi Shea and Brendan Tease into the starting lineup. Ramon Moore didn't play at all, which meant Daniel Dillon played a bigger role and was terrific and also allowed Eric Griffin to come off, off the bench, play his best game of the season and also avoid getting into foul trouble as well. So that all seemed to work really well for, for both of those teams. Yeah, I think I think getting Nate Jawai, just making him a focus. When he's on the court, you got to get him the ball because if he's one, he's a great passer, and so everyone's going to benefit from it. But the defense has to respond to a, a guy that big and talented down low. But two, it's going to get him working harder on the glass, get him on the defensive end, getting out there showing. He's going to be more excited. So uh, you know, credit to Mike Kelly getting him him involved, and I think the other guys kind of responded well as well. And then, you know, Adelaide, Joey is a master at pulling the strings and getting his guys to respond. So, you know, after a four-game losing stride, you, you knew he was going to make some changes. And, that, and that's what Brendan Tease, OBJ, came in, just provided that energy. And then it allows a guy like Eddie Griffin, who should be a starter, but comes in and, and now he maybe be playing against backup guys and, and he can really exploit that that talent difference there so it uh, that, that was a great win for Adelaide I wasn't expecting that one we we both of us had thought that Southeast Melbourne Phoenix would get that one at home but um, Adelaide you can't uh, whenever you got Jerome Randall and he's uh, playing at that level they're they're a tough uh, tough team to handle yeah, he had 15 points in the first quarter, so he really set the tone. We're now seven rounds rounds in. To me, it looks like there's a there's a big gap. We've got Sydney, Perth, Melbourne, the top three teams. It looks like they're streaks ahead of the rest right now. It looks like we're probably going to have Brisbane, Adelaide, and Southeast Melbourne fighting out for that fourth spot. And right now, you'd think Cairns, New Zealand, and Illawarra are a little bit further back and probably going to struggle to stay in the playoff hunt. Is that how you see it, or how do you see the league shaping up seven rounds in? Yeah, I think that's exactly where it's at at the moment. And, you know, but we are only a third of the way through the season. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's going to be personnel changes. We saw Lamar Patterson come in and he was a first team all NBL player. Could someone go out and find a guy like that that's available? We'll, we'll, we'll find out. I guess the other thing is just injuries as well. I mean, yeah. you saw Tariqo White potentially go down. I don't know how long he's going to be out. To me, Andrew Bogut doesn't look 100% healthy. So do the Sydney Kings kind of rest him to get him playing 100% towards the end of the year? That'll be, uh, be interesting to see how they, they manage his minutes and stuff. So there's, um, you yeah, know, the Kings also still got Kevin Lish to come back so they've got mm. a, a wealth of, of talent uh, on that team but you know there's still a lot to uh, to see how it all plays out obviously those those three teams are, are the top at the moment but you know I wouldn't uh, if one of these teams makes a change and brings in a gun player it could change their fortunes Absolutely. Um, that's round seven from the NBL taken care of. Now, Sean, as we know, we wouldn't be here without the support of Hoops Heaven, and they've been our, our major sponsors, our naming rights partners 
from the very start here on Basketball Hustle. And we need our listeners to now show some support to Hoop7. Check them out at hoop7.com.au or indeed if you're in Perth, check out their store on Murray Street. We've got a special code for you to use, which I'll tell you in a second. But if you need any of any basketball gear that you can imagine, especially now leading up to Christmas, I know Sean, your son Dylan, is he's heavily into basketball. He loves his basketball gear and I'm sure that you'll try to, to get along to Hoop7 and get him some, some gear for Christmas. You've probably even even mentioned to Gretchen that there's some things at Hoop7 that she can get for you for Christmas. I know that, that I myself have given enough hints to, to my mum or, or my girlfriend Laura or to my sister Belinda that if they want to get me some Christmas presents then Hoop7's where to go. I've done some of my, some of my own shopping there for, for them as well. So Hoop7, everything you can imagine, whether it's NBL gear, check out the city uniforms which the NBL clubs will be wearing this weekend. You can find RJ Hampton or Lamelo Ball or your favourite Perth Wildcats player. So check check those out all of the NBA gear you can imagine all the latest singlets from this season all your retro singlets everything from from t-shirts to to jackets to pants to shorts and of course the shoes the shoe selection is unbelievable any size pretty much is taken care of and there's some incredible shoes there that I could comfortably go in every day this week and buy a pair and still have plenty left over that I want. So we need you to now support Hoop7 to show show support for the, the backing that they've given us here at Basketball Hustle. So when you go to checkout at hoop7.com.au, use the code word HUSTLE and you'll get a special discount. Or if you visit in store, just mention this podcast to them and, and Jason and his team will give you, give you a special deal. So Hoop7, our major sponsor here at Basketball Hustle, hoop7.com.au. Plenty to still to come on on Hoop 7's Bicycle Hustle this week, Sean. So let's keep moving and get straight into your interview with Corey Williams. All right, I'm here with the man, Homicide. Thanks for joining us today. How are you... uh how are you enjoying this NBL season? First of all, thanks for having me, man. And this this season is is it's really incredible. Hashtag the incredible. I'm loving the energy, the the, the talent, the the level of competition, just everything about it. The crowds, the atmosphere, everything about it is, is really it's all happening, man. This is the golden era for basketball in Australia. Oh, I think you're you're onto something there, and. And what are you thinking of this next stars program? I, you know, when they brought this this program in, I thought it you know it was a great initiative. I just wasn't sure how successful it's been, but it's blown my expectations out of the water. And to get a guy like Lamelo Ball, R.J. Hampton, and even your man Didi Lazada is uh, is is impressive. What the NBL's done. What's your take then on the next stars program and how these guys perform this year? I got a couple of things. We're gonna we're gonna stay on this topic for a little bit. Um, I think that it was genius and it was incredible timing for this next stars initiative to have been birthed. Now, granted, it was birthed about maybe two seasons ago, and if I'm correct, the young man from Adelaide was the first guy who is now Sarah with Ferguson. Ferguson, right? Who's now with OKC. So I think people looked at it like, well. You're getting uh, first-round picks, not really big names. And the first guy that had a big name came out here, and he wasn't as successful as people would have thought he would have been. Right? So then he gets drafted, and then the following season, it's like, oh, shit, he's starting. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's like, wow. Then the next season, you get Brian Bowen here. And Brian Bowen ended up going to Summer League and getting signed by the Indiana Pacers. 
So people didn't really think that it was a huge initiative, myself included. It was just a pathway for kids that are potential one-and-done players. Those that don't understand one-and-done, that's a collegiate athlete going to college for one season and then going to the NBA. Instead of going to the NBA, they opted to come to the NBL. That's where the next stars program gets the talent from usually the one and done guys. So then this off season, they sign RJ Hampton, who's a straight gun. Then after that, they announced LaMelo Ball. Now, I was extremely apprehensive. First of all, I didn't even think he was going to be able to do well in this league, let alone even last in the league. Second of all, I thought it was going to be a big circus because of his dad. His dad, people think I'm loud. I have nothing on LeVar Ball. Okay, I might as well be you. <laughs> you know, so I was just like, this whole circus not going to work. No team going to even take a chance on this kid. Mind you, I never even saw the kid play. I just saw highlights of them like in Lithuania, you know, the AU team that they have, and they his dad created a high school league, which is the first thing, I, the first we've ever heard of something like this. So I was just like, it's just going to be a big mess. It's not going to work. So for him to come over here, and I grilled him. They they went on overtime, and I grilled them both badly. And he didn't know the top point guards in the league outside of Casper. They just were not educated on what they were actually getting into. And they started playing. And I've converted. He's converted me, both of them. Both of these young men are averaging double figures in the NBL, which is one of the best leagues outside of the NBA. So for them to be putting up the numbers and playing the way they're playing, I'm going to give you a fun fact that blew my mind. I found this out about a week ago. Do you actually understand RJ Hampton did three years of high school, graduated in three years? So this is technically his senior year in high school? It's 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 incredible, Corey. I mean, you and I we both had we had successful careers in the NBL, had you know, did 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 all right. I don't know. I can't speak for yourself, but there's no way when I was 18 would I would have any business playing in the NBL and competing against grown men. So, uh, it, trust me, uh, I'm with you. We're in the same boat. There's no way in hell I would have been able to even. You might have been tough, tougher than me playing Park, let alone the NBL. <laughs> <laughs> you might have been tougher than me playing Rucker Park than me uh, playing in the cornfield in Nebraska, but. The credit to these guys. I mean, I was interviewing RJ before the game last week, and just he's young. He is young, and you you make that point. He should be a senior in high school, and he's out here uh, playing playing against these grown men and doing doing quite well. So uh, it's it's I'm just excited about the future of that of the program now. I think these guys, you know, I think Terrence Ferguson kind of propped open the door, and now Lamelo Ball, RJ Hampton. The, where they go in the draft, which I think is going to be pretty high, is 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 blowing going to blow this this league up and and that that program as well. Could we see a next stars uh, in in each team next year, possibly, and uh, maybe tune in next week? I've got a theory uh, about maybe uh, something I, w- I want to propose, so uh, maybe we'll have another chat soon about that one. But I want to go and get into this year and the way you see the league and how it's going to play out towards the end of the year. Um, where do you see the teams and, and what, who do you think is going to, the favorites win it all? Well, first of all, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> you never discount the Perth Wildcats, first of all. Um, they will definitely be there. 
Sydney Kings will be there. Melbourne United, oh my God, they pretty much did a Perth Wildcats. They sucked for a little bit and then they just, boom, five straight. So they'll be there. That fourth spot is wide open. Um, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix look really good. They have a nice group of veterans that have played in this league for many years. So I think after they play Sydney this weekend at home, the next nine of 13 are on the road. So it will be really interesting to see how they do during that stretch on the road. I think they should at least be 500 because of the the team that they have put together. But not to go too deep into them, I think uh, Brisbane will be right there. And Adelaide will be right there as well. So that fourth spot is up for grabs. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that's what probably most people would would kind of expect at, at this point. My thinking is whoever makes that that big change that they need, uh, you know, it, who's going to make the change? Is it going to be the Phoenix 36ers or the Bullets? Who makes the big dent? Because I think they all could uh, tweak their lineups a little bit to give them a push, to give them a chance to compete with with Perth and Melbourne and Sydney. So uh, we'll. we'll see i'm sure you know that uh, if one of those teams really falls behind over the next few weeks we'll see some uh we'll see some movements and and who can uh who can find that that uh that guy you know like lamar patterson came in last year and would change the uh dynamics of a team like brisbane i agree but none of those teams are going to make changes um brisbane you know, Lamontis is going to stick with who he has. Those are the guys he's backing, even though he over-recruited at the position of Ruben Tarangi, who was MIP and six-man of the year last season, and he barely gets playing time, which I don't even know what that's about. But I just think Lamontis is, is just going to stick with the unit that he has. He's not changing. Adelaide's yeah. not going to change. Phoenix is not going to change. So who do, who they have on the court right now is, is who they're going to stick with. I just think with that third import spot is when you can really uh, you can kind of tinker things a little bit. If mid season you you don't think you're going to uh, you're going to compete with the top team. So I my thinking is one of the one or two of those teams will make a change at some stage, but uh, you probably want to do that. To me, you want to do that before Christmas, be able to give yourself some time to kind of really gel and, and get them into uh, to play into the level that, that they need to. But, you know, that we're not in charge of those teams, so they didn't ask us, Corey. No, nah, they didn't. They're definitely not asking me. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about about you the other day because, you know, we don't get that chance to – to connect on a weekly basis. Are you missing your trips over here to Perth and, and uh, hanging out with the Red Army? Definitely. Um, you know, the setup is different, as we all know. Um, I think we had the best trio in the business, and I miss you guys for sure. It was a uh, – I always look forward to heading to Perth. Um, we always had good banter on and off camera as well as with the fans. So, you know, hopefully it'll get back to what it used to be like. But um, for right now, you know, it is what it is. And I was I was telling someone, and you might be surprised to hear this, but I was thinking maybe the Wildcat fans and the Red Army should be thanking Corey, and I'm gonna tell you why. We obviously know the game where you and John really came over here, really hits ten threes. You, I think you might have had thirty points as well. You guys torched us, but that was really the changing of the guards for the Perk Wildcats. Two seasons later, they bring in Rob Beveridge. They recruited a guy named Damian Martin, who's done all right. Uh, brought in Jesse Wagstaff. 
and uh, and probably from that point forward had one of the most successful decades in Australian NBL history. So you know, in, in a in a very roundabout way, the Wildcats should may, maybe you should be on their uh, Christmas list uh, card list this year uh, in the way that you kind of helped shape. Uh, who they uh, ended up bringing in and, and the culture of the of the team. You know what? That is, that is an a interesting way to look at it. Um, <laughs> it was so crazy because whenever I played against you guys, I always used to want to just kill you guys. You guys are extremely tough. You played, you know, the, the, the way the Perth Wildcats play, that is, I'm going to assume, the way they've always played for many, many years. Really physical, really tough. You know, just some really, really physical basketball, kind of like the Detroit Pistons. You know, you had your key players, but everybody else really knew their role, knew their role and stuck to the script. And that was the blueprint of the success. You know, you, you had, um, you didn't change local players, you know, as much. And if you had an import that, that worked, you know, you kept them. And that was the success. I mean, nine championships, 33 consecutive trips to the playoffs. That's just ridiculous in itself. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, the, the run that the Wildcats have had is is an incredible run. And funny enough, is you know, the Townsville Crocs coach that got the majority of the races. <laughs> well, it, it, it is, the, you know, you even, you know, I think Trevor Gleason got a lot of respect from from the Wildcats when you guys beat us in that uh, that environment over there in the old Challenge Stadium. So, you know, in, in, in a roundabout way as well, that helped bring Trevor Gleason over once they decided to make that change. And we know, you know, four championships later and he, he, his team are competing. So there's a lot of connections there that you may not make at first look. But I think, uh, you know, that was uh, – and even still, fans I think talk about that game where where really hits ten threes. I mean, I still have nightmares about that. We couldn't couldn't stop them, and, and you guys. So it's a it's one that kind of wakes me up sometimes. But uh, you know, I guess sometimes you you got to go for the greater good. And then down the line, I think it worked out for uh, for the Wildcats long term. So where do you see? Where do you see the Wildcats this year? Do they have a legitimate shot at uh, at winning it? They have a legitimate shot. They have Bryce Cotton. Bryce Cotton's the best player in this league. He's a superstar. He's a rock star. Nothing but respect for that man. He's earned my respect. And what he's done in the limited amount of time he's been in this league is, is ridiculous. Um, if they would do Hall of Fame... Well, they do, but he would be a Hall of Famer right now. He has two championships, one MVP. Um, he could have been MVP last year, and he's en route to getting MVP again right now. <laughs> so, yes. I mean, Bryce Cotton is an absolute rock star. You can never discount the Wildcats. Tariko, terrific Tariko White. Um, so much you can say about him. He was quiet and inconsistent all regular season. And then just flip this switch. I've never seen anybody flip a switch in the manner that he did. As crazy as the season was last year. For him to just flip the switch like, all right, it's my turn. You guys really don't know how I really do. But you're about to see how I get down right now. And I'm going to win the championship and get finals MVP. That was incredible how he did it. Yeah, it kind of reminded me. It reminded me of performance uh, guy. 
you might have heard before, Robert Ory, big shot Rob, just come playoff time. He was going to hit, knock down those shots uh, to, to kill the other team. And, and that time seems to be the player that Tariko White, the bigger the moment, the bigger the shot, and uh, he wants the ball in the fans. Yeah, and, um, you know, he's always going to make a, a high percentage play, you know. With him shooting the ball off the dribble, now dribbling getting to the basket, you know, the mid-range, he has one of the best mid-range shots in the game. And it just opens things up when he's hitting for everybody else. And that's just the space that everybody else needs. You know, I joked around the other day, but I actually was dead serious that they need to give Damian Martin a medal. The defensive player of the year medal, put his name on it now while he's still in the game. And put a statue of him playing defense in front of RAC Arena. <laughs> Maybe in the entrance of where the the players uh, walk in, uh, you know they've got to get by Damian Martin to get into the entrance. I think that's a, yeah, they, uh, you know, there'll never be another Damian Martin. Someone asked me the other day who my favorite Wildcats player is, and the easy answer would be Bryce Cotton, but Damian Martin for sure. Yeah. The way he plays and the way he can change the game on defense, man. Not many players in the world can do that. So Not I at think. All. Uh, I think it's uh, you know, and you know they've got guys that can that can play their role. But to me, can they beat the Sydney Kings though? Because I look at the Sydney Kings team, and I'm not sure I've ever seen a more talented team in the league. Um, and and I don't say that just on pure talent, but also the way they put the team together. I think they they really well uh, mix. I love Deshaun Tate. Uh, Tate, sorry. He is the perfect complement to to the other guys they have. So I think they've recruited well, and and uh, I think they're going to be a tough beat come the the playoffs. At the end, you can never discount the Wildcats. However, give the rings to the Kings. They're winning the championship, one hundred percent. I'm going to tell you what the difference is. Um, when they played against Melbourne United last year, no one was able to defend Cotton. Okay, the only guy who could defend Cotton is the guy that Melbourne United relies heavily on offense. So he was wasting, he was burning the both ends of a candle. And Bryce, um, what's this guy named Casper Ware? Casper Ware just weared down. So offensively, he had nothing in the tank because he's using all his energy on defense to try to slow Bryce down. While on the other end, Bryce don't have to guard anybody because he got Damian Martin and Mitch Norton. So he has all the energy he needs for one end of the court. I think this season, that's where Sydney Kings will have the edge. You have Kevin Lish. And when you, if Kevin Lish isn't at the end, you have Deshaun Taylor, who will use all his energy to try to slow up Cotton. If Casper has to get on Cotton, it won't be the whole game. That's going to be the difference. And if you want to put a little bit of length on them, you could put my man, Edie Lozano. So there's a mixture of people defensively you can throw on Bryce Cotton that I believe will give Kings that edge if they match up in the grand final. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think they've got a few more weapons than, and Casper Ware, I think, does a pretty good job on Cotton as, as much as you can. Uh, to me, it's going to come down to who gets that home court advantage as well. I think beating Perth in Perth is, is tough. Um, but, you know, I think the Kings, talent-wise, uh, I've never seen a, a team that dominant. And, and this is in a league that is so uh, – the 
teams are, you know, right there with each other. It's it's so balanced in the league, but the Kings uh, are playing at a whole nother level. To me, it's going to come down to injuries. Can can you know a Bogut? Can he stay healthy and be able to uh, to dominate the paint like he has? Well, it's still a lot to play out, but I think you make some good points there in that you know Casper can can really focus on on other things and defensively, I think that's probably one of the best teams in the league. Casper is a great defender. Kevin Lish is a great defender. We know Bogut what he can do. Jashante, he can guard one through five. So those guys uh, can really, really dominate. And I think they're probably one of the better defensive teams as well. I agree. They are the best defensive team in the league. They, they're not giving anything up easy. You're going to have to earn everything when playing against the Kings. I look forward to seeing the matchup this weekend against Melbourne United. I think Melbourne United will get that W in Sydney because I'm questioning right now, Andrew Bogut, is he healthy? You don't want to be, yeah. you don't want to be healthy, un, not healthy, not fit, and not and injured, going up against the best center in the league. Sean Long is coming for that ass. <laughs> Sean Long is, is dominant. I think Melbourne United kind of figured out they need to play through him a little bit more because there's not many centers that can uh, even compete at the level that he's at. And I, and I think, and I mentioned it early in our show that I don't think Bogut is a hundred percent, you know, coming off that boomers campaign. I think Sydney might need to manage that a little bit. So he's fresh coming into the final. So I'm interested to see, see how, uh, how that plays out as well, because he, he as good as Bogut is, I don't think he's been playing the last few weeks, especially he hasn't, especially exactly. on offense event, hasn't been playing up to the level, and he's still dominating in the paint, even though he's not a hundred percent. So, yeah. if I'm the City Kings, they need a hundred percent out of Bogut to be able to uh, get that victory in that championship. So, you might be looking more long term, maybe rest him a, a little bit or limited his minutes at some stage during the season. So, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, Corey, I've, I've enjoyed this. I've missed our uh, our chats before the games on air, our our little our banter. I know. Uh, hopefully, some stage, maybe even come playoff time, uh, the dream team will come back together, and uh, we can uh, we can continue this conversation. I'm sure. Hopefully, we'll have you back on the show later in the year. But thanks for your time. It's uh, always enjoy uh, our catch up. Always a pleasure, my man. And one more thing. When are they going to retire that jersey of yours? How many championships? Oh, <laughs> uh, look. It's uh, it's something that, uh, you know, if it does happen, it's, uh, it'll be great. I'll, uh, I'll put you on the invite list uh, if, if it does. Corey, just don't wear your uh, Crocs jersey when you come over. <laughs> Done. I got you, man. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, Corey. Hopefully you all enjoyed that chat between Sean and, and Corey. Two old foes, two two friendly rivals, I think it's fair to say now. Terrific chat between the two of them. Hopefully you enjoyed it, and we'll keep moving here on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle because I've caught up with Matty Knight, another another Perth Wildcats championship winner. Three times he, he celebrated winning a championship over a tremendous NBL career. One of the finest power forwards we've seen probably in the league in the last 20 years. He's a he was a terrific player. Unfortunately, he had his career cut a little bit short through concussion, you know, string of injuries at the end after battling a whole series of calf and, and shoulder injuries. But a, a terrific fellow, terrific story. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it. And as all thanks to ID Athletic, go to idathletic.com for all of your basketball apparel needs. No matter what sort of 
level your team plays at, whether you're a social team, a junior team, a state league team, no matter what you are, ID Athletic will queue in all of the finest gear. So now that now that all the basketball summer leagues are starting up, whether you're a football team, starting up your pre-season training, whatever you are, for all of your gear on the field, off the court, on the court, whatever you need, ID Athletic will take care of you. And also, one listener this season here on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle will win a full uniform for their team. So stay tuned to Basketball Hustle for that. And also visit idathletic.com and make sure you check them out for all of your sporting apparel needs. Okay, next up here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle, very, very happy to be joined by our next guest. He's somebody that I've known for a long time. I still think the first time I spoke to him was when he was over in Hungary. He was having a having a terrible time. He was horribly homesick, couldn't wait to, to get home. And I, I gave him a call from Perth. We announced his, his signing with the Perth Wildcats. And I guess the rest is history. He's been in Perth ever since. I've known him for that whole time ever since. It's been a pleasure to spend time with him, a pleasure to watch his career unfold. And now also to now move on to the next phase of his, of his life as a father and a I guess a basketball coach and a basketball teacher. So let's get straight into it. Matty Knight, thanks very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been it's been a long journey. I don't know if you remember that phone call when you in when you were in Hungary, but I'll I'll never forget it because the the signing of you for the Wildcats was a big deal. But I just could could sense just from the the sound of your voice, you couldn't wait to to get back home to Australia. No, I still, I definitely remember that phone call. I was sitting in my apartment. I think I probably just got back from practice or whatnot. And, um, yeah, by that stage, I was ready to come home. The season was drawing to a close in Hungary. We still had playoffs. But, um, yeah, as soon as I heard Bevo was keen to sign me and I'd signed that contract, I was uh, even more excited and keen to get out of there and get back to Australia. Now, you're always a proud Tasmanian and you also enjoyed the time you spent in Sydney, but when you did arrive in Perth almost 10 years ago now, did you ever imagine that that would be where you ended up calling home? Uh, no. Um, I thought maybe I'd be here a few years mm. and uh, I'm not sure what would have happened, but um, no, very happy and glad to have uh, made Perth home. Um, obviously, Tassie would be always home home, yeah. but no. Um, Got the family over here now, and um, yeah, I can't imagine myself living in any, anywhere else. We'll obviously get to your basketball career and how it turned out as well, but the fact that you you managed to to find your your wife Cheryl here, you know, a father of three, I'm sure you 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 wouldn't change any of that. Life's life's ended up turning out pretty well from from making that move. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I still remember when I signed with Perth, I messaged Sherelle and said, guess who's coming to Perth? And uh, <laughs> she thought I was full of crap. But no, it's, uh, I can't imagine it turning out any better. As you said, uh met Sherelle when I got over here. And um, yeah, now we've got three beautiful kids. So life is fantastic right now. Yeah, it's fantastic to hear. And I think a lot of people will be happy to hear that because the way your career ended probably wasn't the way you would have hoped. And you had those battles with concussion towards the end of your end of your career and it probably it probably ended a little bit sooner than than you hoped and and I guess with the the history and recognition of concussion problems right across the world now in sport I guess you just never know how that can turn out but the fact that you you seem like you're in such a great place in life now and physically you seem healthy um things have turned out pretty well 
Yeah, no, definitely. It was, uh, I'm not going to lie, it was a pretty tough adjustment. Um, obviously, forced into retirement mm. due to the concussion. So it was a big uh, adjustment in life, really, from going 12 plus years professional basketball career where you're pretty much told where to be, mm. what to do every day, to being out on your own. So it was a tough 12 to 15 months after um, trying to settle back into um, the real world and whilst um, still trying to to accept that I had to retire because my body wanted to continue to play, but unfortunately, due to concussion, um, I wasn't allowed. So I don't think I've watched any basketball really since I have retired. Mm-hmm. It's still pretty, it's still pretty tough. Yeah. But um, I've come to learn that there was a lot more to life than basketball, and that's where Sherelle was fantastic for me. She, um, <clears throat> she number one support all the way along, and now I've got my family. They're doing their things now, so. That's it. It's just put me in a really good place. How scary was it at the time when you were told that if you get one more knock to the head, if you get one more concussion, that the results could be pretty, pretty sort of fatal. You know, to put it yeah, no, to put it, it bluntly, how it bad was that? To hear. It was tough. Um, obviously, game two of the grand final series against Illawarra, getting a concussion, and then missing game three. I was going through mixed emotions then. That yeah, I'd had enough. But then um, I was like, I can't, I don't want to end my career that way. I want to go out my own terms. But um, unfortunately, uh, came back for another season and it was just another injury after injury. And then the last concussion at practice, yeah, just um, I met with the medical staff. And just as you said earlier, the unknown about concussion right now, it it does scare me at times um, about what, can happen in the long term, yeah. but I try to put that in the back of my mind and just um, enjoy every day as it comes, obviously, with the family and that, and I don't play sport or contact sport anymore, mm. so hopefully I can avoid any more concussions. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting time, and I remember catching up with you at a few SBL games because your your wife Cheryl was still playing at, at the at the Wolves, and you, you you were on babysitting duties, obviously. But it just felt like, from talking to you, you needed a break from basketball. Is that how how you felt for a little while? And now you're back involved coaching wise, but you're not back involved watching at the top level. Is that how is that how you feel like you can can I guess stay the happiest right now? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that statement. Um, obviously, when I retired, basketball is all I've done all my life. So, obviously, it might have been a blessing in disguise for retirement because it does take a toll on you physically and mentally yeah. being a professional athlete. So, just getting away from it from that 12 to 15 months just refreshed me. And obviously, I was there to support Sherelle while she was still playing. But, um, yeah, no, it was good just to get away from it. Um, it does take up a lot of your time. And, I had a lot of time away from the family, so being able to spend that time with the family during that time just made me sit back and appreciate one what I'd achieved, but what I had with me in terms of family, friends, and support like that. Yeah, can you talk us through what you're up to now? You obviously the hardest thing for, a, for, for like you said, for a professional athlete is then to work out what to do once your career is finished. I spoke to spoke to Mark Worthington only a few weeks ago here on the show, and he's still, to be honest, trying to adjust to life after basketball because all of a sudden that's gone, and you you don't have that high of running out in front of the fans anymore, and you need to find a way to sort of replace that adrenaline rush in your life. How have you been able to now bounce back and also do it? Do it by by staying involved in basketball at the same time. 
Um, <clears throat> I still remember it was that in my press conference to announce my retirement. Um, Rosemary, my mother-in-law, said you should start up your own basketball academy. Mm. I thought she was just joking because <laughs> she was just uh, announcing my retirement. She'd talk about me starting up my own academy. But um, I'd always wanted to give back um, to sport of basketball because it's provided me with so many wonderful opportunities to travel, meet so many people. But, um, yeah, it was tough to still coach and be a part of basketball. So I didn't really take up it full time. I did it a couple of days a week. Mm-hmm just with my daughter and a few of her friends and um, had a couple other kids come along. So I was just one or two days a week for an hour or two. And then um, as I started to get the enjoyment back in more for basketball, I've uh, taken up the academy more serious now and um, we've filled it up to around 60, 70 kids Mm. now. So uh, that's what I'm doing now for a job. Um, I've got called Off the Bench Academy. Mm -hmm. It's for kids all levels and skill abilities, um, just allowing them the opportunity to learn about this wonderful game of basketball and help any kid that I can try and achieve whatever goal it is, if it's to make a state team or a wobble team or go as far as they can, just try and provide that leadership and knowledge to help guide them on their journey. Now that you are teaching people, are you some in some way surprised at how much fundamental skills you you've actually got to share? Because when you when I reflect back on you playing, you clearly were one of the best power forwards that we've seen in the in the in the league in the last fifteen years. Because you could do everything, you could do you could play down on the block, and and you know you had some terrific post moves. Mid range game was probably underrated too. But if you, if you took a mid range shot, you wouldn't miss them too often. You could even even hit the odd three. I still remember that game. When you hit against against Townsville, um, and you you know you were a really good rebounder. Probably defensively, you got better and better the longer your career went as well. Um, the fact that you could do so much on the court. Are you, now that you're teaching, are you finding that you can pretty much help the young kids in every every way that, that they need need some help? Yeah, no, um, definitely. Um, I appreciate those words, first party. But um, no, um, yeah, like obviously everyone's skill level is different. So just trying to understand what each child wants to achieve and then if I pick up one or two things that maybe I can help them with and just make sure they improve so it helps them achieve whatever they want, then I feel like I've done a pretty good job of what I've set this academy up for. But um, yeah, like I said, every kid's different. And every kid has their own different dreams. But, yeah, I try to pass on as much knowledge as I have each child. Um, I was fortunate enough to play with some very great players and learn off some of the best coaches in Australia. Mm. So the knowledge I learned from them, I try to pass on through the sessions I run. And um, hopefully I can also pass on to the country boy, under-18 boys I've taken on as well for nationals next year. Obviously, they're chasing that college dream and then, professional careers as well so any one or two little pointers I can pass on and help them and yeah I feel like I've achieved something yeah I was going to ask you about that you're coaching the WA under 18 country team um that's something new to you I'm sure but do you feel like coaching could be something that you actually end up doing long term as well and this is your your first real real taste of that yeah no um I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit nervous about it. I've never really 
had that coaching experience yeah. at that level anyway. I've coached a couple of domestic competition teams, but um, I'm excited about the challenge. The group we've got so far are fantastic. They're willing to learn, so it's making my job a lot easier. Um, and I've got a couple of really good assistants that have been there and coached at SBL level and at national level mm. before, so they've been fantastic as well. But about taking coaching on full-time down the track, I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. Um, for right now, I'm really enjoying it, yeah. but um, I've always said I don't want to be in basketball for my whole life. Yep. I want to. There's so much more out there in this world, but for right now, I'm loving what I'm doing. Well, touching on that, what else excites you? What what sort of things would you, would you like to try and experience in life still? Um, I, to be honest, mate, like what I said, that it's a tough thing. Yeah. Um, I thought I wanted to be a teacher, but didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's a tough question. I'm not sure what the future holds, mm. but obviously the kids are getting older now, so I'm getting to spend a lot more time with them, um, driving them around <laughs> to different sporting events, which I absolutely love. It's what I missed when I was playing basketball during this time of year, um, the school drop-offs and pickups, things like that that I probably took for granted. I actually love now. get to walk my daughter to school, um, just little things like that that I'm enjoying in the moment right now that I missed out on playing basketball. So not sure what the future holds or where I'll end up, but, yeah, I'm loving the situation I'm in right now. The, the thing you always used to bring up to me was was how well Hawthorne was going the whole time that we each other and the whole time you were playing the Wildcats, that rivalry was pretty strong. Um, you never quite got to play footy and probably the concussions in the end probably meant that you could never quite end up playing footy at the end of your career. But a lot of people might be surprised to hear, given your dad played for Collingwood, that Hawthorne's been always something pretty close to your heart. Yeah, now, footy's always been close to me. Obviously, yeah, dad played... AFL and we moved down to Tassie and he played, he's in the Hall of Fame footy down in Tassie. Yeah. So I grew up with that footy background and I got to tell everyone I speak to now, I still, even when I played basketball, I prefer to watch footy over basketball. Um, while it was my job, I know I loved it. I always had that passion for footy and it was a decision I made younger to go down the basketball track and loved every bit of it. And there were times I wish I could have gone to footy, but um, the career I had with basketball, and what it's presented me in life, I'm forever grateful. But, you know, whenever I get the chance to still watch the footy, especially the Hawks, mm-hmm. even though it's been a couple of rough years, <laughs> um, no, it's good to see uh, we'll be back soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I still wish I got to see you play play in the ruck. I reckon you would have had to, would have been a hell of a tough tough guy to match up on, but I don't think you can complain about the basketball career that life ended up giving you either. Um the, the thing that just just finally before we wrap up the thing that the thing that I've enjoyed most about this chat over the last 10 or so minutes Maddie is that you sound like the happiest I've ever ever heard you there's been times that have been been really tough obviously when you retired life was was really tough but even during your career there was there were some tough times and I don't think people appreciate how tough the life of a professional athlete is with the pressures that you go through, the sacrifices, like you said, that you have to make, the things that you you miss out on. So there was times where I'm sure you 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 know you you had your ups and up and down moments, and you weren't always completely happy. But to come out of everything you've been through, and to sound like you're the happiest and healthiest that you've ever been in your life right now, it's great for for me to hear, and I'm. I'm sure it's something that you're grateful for as well, because there's no guarantees in life that when you come through everything you've been through, that you do end up in the in the in the good place that you're in right now. 
Exactly. Yeah, no, like I said, there was a, a tough period there, but um, yeah, no, life right now, just yeah, I'm in a really good place. Um, plus, I enjoyed the professional life. Like you said, there are a lot of ups and, ups and downs. You have to sacrifice a lot. Uh, miss out on a lot and especially for me with all the injuries I had mm. um, it was tough um, I did cop a lot on social media media about oh he's injured again his body can't hold up and it, it does take its toll um, even though you tell yourself it doesn't just the injuries alone um, tough to get out of bed things like that it, it wears you down and like I said fortunate enough to have a, a 12 plus year professional career but Plus, I enjoyed every minute of it. It was tough at times, but right now, probably the happiest I've been in a very long time. Mm. Um, got my beautiful family, friends. I've got my academy. And there's just so many adventures coming up right now that I'm really looking forward to. No, that's fantastic to hear, Maddie. I'm really, really happy for you. Um, just finally, off the bench, your academy. How can how can any budding basketball stars get in touch with you and, and see if they can, can jump on board? Yeah, so now we've got our website. It's www.offthebench.app. Jump on there. It gives you all the information about when we run our sessions. Um, we're getting close to wrapping up for this year, but if you jump online, we'll have all the information for what we'll be running over the school holidays and for Term 1 next year. Fantastic, Maddie. If anyone wants to get in touch, that's how you can do it. I couldn't recommend anyone anyone more to, to learn your basketball off than, than Maddie Knighton. A pleasure to catch up again, Maddie. We'll have to do it again soon. But, yeah, fantastic to hear that you're in such a good place. And thanks for joining us. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's time for the fourth quarter here, thanks to Devlin's. And today's topic I wanted to talk about, should the NBL move from a 40-minute game to a 48-minute game? And I'm going to tell you the reasons why I think this is a great idea, and my hope is the league moves towards that direction in the future. And the first one is, I just think we've gone from three, two imports to three imports. We've got 11 roster spots. For our young Australian talent, they're not getting very many minutes in the game and so from a development point of view I just think that we are really limiting the amount of minutes that these young guys are going to be able to get on a nightly basis I mean if you look at the Perth Wildcats and you look at a guy like Reese Vague in the last four games he's hardly really touched the court and that's because Jesse Wagstaff is playing so well you know when you've got and you've got Nick Kay as well he's going to take 25-30 minutes so you've only got 10-15 to 15 minutes there you're probably going to give those to a guy like Jesse Wagstaff that you know has that experience is going to be able to produce on a nightly basis but it really limits those guys that ninth, 10th, 11th man on the bench to be able to get those minutes and get some miles under the legs and I, I go back to when the game was 48 minutes and we had a guy named Chris Golding who was our development player with the Perth Wildcats we had a couple injuries he came in and because it was a 48 minute game he was going to get 10-15 minutes and his first game against the West Sydney Razorbacks he's throwing behind the back passes dropping threes and all of a sudden everyone was like wow this kid can play in the league and he got that opportunity and we know where he's taking that who knows if he had never gotten that opportunity hadn't got those 10 minutes out there on the court other teams wouldn't have seen what he'd been able to produce and uh, and, and I'm sure the talent that Chris Golding has he would have been able to, to he would have been fine long term 
but it, I just think that we're severely limiting the development of some of these young guys, and I'd like to see some of them come into an NBL system, then go over to college. So that's one reason why I like the 48-minute game to than the 40-minute game. The other reason why, and I think that, you know, fans, they want to see these guys dropping 30 points. I mean, you go to an NBA game because you want to see LeBron James. You want to see James Harden score 30, 40, 50 points. Very rarely do we see guys scoring 30 points in a game. I mean, Bryce Cotton did it uh, in the last couple weeks, but he's not hasn't been able to do that as good a player as he is. He's not scoring 30 on every nightly basis. Fans want to see that. That's what they're attracted to. And if you move to 48 minutes, well, now Bryce Cotton's going to get 36, maybe even 40 minutes if he's he's playing uh, at that really high level. What's he going to score? I mean, the headlines is not going to be Perth Wildcats win. It's going to be Bryce Cotton scores 50. And uh, and that just, I think that's that's going to be something that, that's going to be great for the league and players want to come over. And, and me personally, I love the 48-minute game. You got more minutes, just more opportunities out there on the court. And it was... It was one. It was great for my development at that time. So I, I would like to see the league go back to 48 minutes. I think there's a lot of benefits. I got something next week that I think uh, could tie into that. And, uh, and and the other thing is the NBA is a 48-minute game. How successful has that been? Let's see if we can replicate that. Just because we are a, a FIBA league doesn't mean we have to play 40-minute games. We've They've done it before. So I'd like to see the league really look at the issue. 48-minute games. And one of the things that was, I guess put out there is when they went from 48 to 40 minutes was for TV and because they wanted it to be an under two hour game short sharp and you'd be able to but I think the fans I think they want to see a 48 minute game they want to see more basketball and I think TV you look at ESPN they actually have a two and a half hour time slot so they've got another 30 40 minutes after games that they've got to fill that up with interviews after the game that I want to see basketball played I don't want to see 40 minutes of interviews of every single player that played in the game. I want to see those guys out there performing. And I think TV and the way, you know, sport is is so crucial to these these TV stations success because it's one of those only things that you need to watch live and so you know to be able to get two and a half hours of action packed basketball I think would be would be tremendous and, and hopefully it would be a big selling point to some of these these TV providers and stations so that's my thoughts I'd love to hear your thoughts hit me up during the week social media hoops heavens basketball hustle let me hear your thoughts on should the NBA I'll go from 40 minutes to 48 minutes. Thanks to you, Sean, for that fourth quarter segment. Hopefully it gets people talking once again, just like your one last week did. Let's get straight into a preview now of round eight in the NBL. All gets underway Friday night. Important game for both clubs because they're in that bunch of teams that look like they're going to be fighting out, you know, pretty much probably until the end of the season for that fourth position. Brisbane Bullets hosting the Adelaide 36ers. Plenty on the line, plenty, plenty of intrigue in this one too. Yeah, it's going to be an important game for for both clubs. I think, you know, Brisbane's really going to have to uh, figure out their system and and how they're going to work work um, those players. They do got a lot of similar players. And then, how does Andre Lamanis respond to the to the uh, Basketball Australia news that he's no longer the Boomers coach? So, is uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about after this one, and hopefully, we'll get Lamanis's thoughts at some stage mm-hmm. um, it, once it becomes clear of, of where what direction the Boomers are going. Who'd you tip? 
I've got Brisbane in this one. I think Brisbane will uh, respond to a little bit of adversity. That loss to Cairns will uh, be uh, haunting them, and I think they'll come back and, and really uh, have a good challenge. Then on Saturday, we've got a doubleheader. Starts in Melbourne, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. They they remain in Melbourne, which is a remarkable way to start the season for them because they've still only travelled outside of Melbourne once, but they probably haven't fully taken advantage of it. They're five and four now. They've lost their last couple of games, and the Sydney Kings come to town, and to me, it looks like the Phoenix are, are up against it. Yeah, it is, and and I think though that maybe that loss at home, you know, I'm actually going to pick the Phoenix in this one, um, and I'll tell you why. I think I think Roberson's been a bit quiet the last few weeks, and him getting an on ball with Andrew Bogut back there protecting the paint. I think he's going to have a field day shooting those threes, and uh, we know what type of shooter he can be. He showed that at the start of the year. So look for Roberson to have a big game and Phoenix bounce back and, and get a surprise win against the Sydney Kings. Yeah, w- would be an upset. Um, second game on Saturday looks like it's a tough one to tip as well. Given we saw what Cairns did in Perth earlier this season, the Taipans now host the Wildcats, probably without Tariko White. Um, that's a big game up at the Cairns Convention Centre. Yeah, and uh, we saw this earlier, or sorry, last year when when the Wildcats went up to to Cairns. I think they were missing a few bodies. Um, they were this, able this, to this, get this a win. Much exactly the same time of year. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, they were able to to get a win. But I think they're going to need, if, especially if Tariko White is out. They're going to need some other guys to step up. I think Clint Steindl had his biggest game last year in that in that scenario, came out and hit some big threes. So they're going to need other guys to step up. I think Cairns, you know, I think it's going to be a tough one. It all comes down to, it. I think, if Tariqa White plays. If he can play and he's healthy, I think the Wildcats get that one. If he's injured, I think it gives Cairns a, a good chance, and, and I'm going to pick Cairns if Tariqa's injured. That's a lot to put in a one-word answer, though. Can we narrow it, narrow it down a bit further? Well, I haven't heard the the news yet, so let's go. Let's go, Wildcat. Then on Sunday, tough one for the Brisbane Bullets to back up. They now head to Melbourne to play Melbourne United, who are on a five-game winning streak. Um, A lot might depend on how Brisbane goes on Friday night, but either way, it looks like it's a, a tough challenge for them. Yeah, I think everyone's got Melbourne United on this one. Uh, they've been playing some fantastic basketball, and, and they're really starting to find their groove. And it's uh, it's going to be a tough challenge, especially playing that second game. So, I mean, Brisbane does have the depth. I think they've, they've got 10, 11 guys that can play quality minutes. Uh, it's just a matter of can they find that consistency within the group. So, But I expect Melbourne United to get that one. Then also on Sunday, Adelaide 36 is back home after playing in Brisbane on Friday, take on the New Zealand Breakers. At least, like last week, the Breakers will be fresh, but it's going to be interesting to see how they come out after after all of the controversy surrounding the club in the, the last week or so. It will be. That's a... Uh... I'm sure it's been a long week for the breakers coming into training, just knowing the everything surrounding. They can't just focus on basketball. They've had to focus on so many different things. Glenn Rice Jr.'s incident, Tom Badanovich incident coming, their owner, um, Matt Walsh, and you know, can he be present at the game? So there's a lot of distractions there, and, and I think Adelaide uh, coming off that big win, I think they'll be able to uh, to get a win back at their their new home there at the Adelaide Entertainment Center. Then the last game of the round, Monday night, back in Wollongong, Illawarra Hawks host the Cairns Taipans. Um, Taipans have struggled against the Hawks in recent times, already lost to them twice this season. Hawks will be fresh. Um, what do you think of this one? 
Yeah, I think coming off that win win last week, I think the Illawarra Hawks will be be really wanting to play well at home for their home crowd and and be ready to uh, to to get the win there. They're 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 due for a few wins, I think. The way I, I think Josh Boone is starting to play better, he looks a little bit more healthier than he was at the start of the season. So I expect the Illawarra Hawks to get this one at home. There we go. Round eight in the NBL. Check out our social media pages to have a look at our, our tips. Sean's still just peeping me. I think he's, I think he's a couple of tips ahead, but I'll, I'll see if I can, can make up for it this week. The, the Phoenix tip looks like a juicy one for me. So I'll definitely be going for the Kings in that one, Sean. But big show again. Um, there was plenty of news to talk about. Terrific interviews. Corey Homicide Williams and, and Maddie Knight doesn't get much better than that. Your fourth quarter segment hopefully gets people talking. Thanks again to Hoops Heaven for making it all happen. Thanks for the support of Devlin also and ID Athletic we'll do it all again next week let's hope everyone enjoyed this week's show what can you leave us with for this week Sean well yeah we want to hear from you so love to hear your thoughts on 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 the uh, on the fourth quarter segment talking about the NBL going to 48 minutes do you like that idea or not I'm in a really interested to hear your thoughts on pros cons um, let's get this discussion going and uh, look forward to hearing from everyone next week Bye, have a great time.